Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? The members of the ADHD Essentials Facebook community are connecting with each other regularly, posting lots of useful resources, and supporting each other in the way that only those who understand and experience ADHD can. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash ADHD Essentials Community to sign up. That link will be in the show notes. Another big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies for his help editing this episode. I couldn't do it without him. And of course, our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired and Hacking Your ADHD, are great resources. ADHD Rewired features excellent interviews with Eric Tivers and all sorts of ADHD experts and ADHD adults. And in Hacking Your ADHD, Will Curb shares practical, actionable tips, so go check them out. And finally, if you haven't provided us with a five-star rating and review on iTunes or your podcast player of choice, please take a moment and go ahead and do that. It's a great way to say thank you for the resources and support that you find in this show. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Alicia. Alicia is an ADHD mom of ADHD kids and a member of the ADHD Essentials Facebook community. In today's episode, Alicia shares her story with us. She talks about her initial misdiagnosis, how things have changed since receiving a new diagnosis of ADHD, and she also shares how having ADHD has affected her finances and the strategies she has used to get them back on track. All right, let's get rolling. Who in your family has ADHD? Let's start there. <laughs> so I do, and then my children, they're uh, 6, 8, and 11, and they've all been diagnosed. So that's four people in a family of four. Yeah. Before we jump into some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about, how does ADHD play out in your house? Oh, gosh. It's pretty much normal now because we've always you know, made, made those adjustments and found routines and just things that work for us. And then once we got all the diagnoses, because they're pretty recent in the last few months, um, it just all made sense. And I was able to research and find more things that just worked well for us. So our mornings are super smooth now. And that's helped me too. That super smooth morning thing, I can't let that slide by without asking you what you're doing to make it smooth because at least half of the audience just went super smooth morning. What is that? How do I do that? <laughs> And although I certainly do that, that's a big thing we focus on in the parent coaching groups. Anytime I can get some new advice, I want to get it. So what are you doing to help make your mornings go more smoothly? Alarms. Okay. <laughs> we have an alarm that goes off at 7.20, which says, hey, it's time to get up. I have one that goes off at 7.40 that says, all right, you better be on, you, you need to be dressed and ready for your socks and shoes. And then at eight o'clock, okay, it's time to go out the door um, because they eat breakfast at school. So I don't have to worry about that. But those especially my six-year-old who gets very distracted very easily if Legos are a thing. Um, <laughs> it, it just keeps them kind of geared and they know what to expect. Awesome. 
And how is that making your morning more smooth? I'm not as stressed out. I work late shift, so I'm not going to bed until 11. So 7.20 comes really early and I'm just not, I'm not there. I'm pretty hands off with them. I got their routine set. They just go through the motions. So also, in addition to the alarms, it sounds like you've got some training that you've done around the morning routine and your kids knowing what to do. Oh, for sure. And how old are your kids? They're six, eight, and 11. So is the 11-year-old helping the six-year-old maybe? Definitely. (laughs) And boys, girls, what does that look like? My six-year-old is a boy and my oldest are girls. So your mornings are going more smoothly. You've recently got this ADHD diagnosis kind of in the family, it sounds like. The kids were diagnosed within the last six months, you said? Yeah. And then you also mentioned before we started recording that as you saw their diagnoses, it caused you to rethink a diagnosis that you had. So five years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar and a lot of the symptoms are similar. Like the details are vastly different. And I went to my therapist and I was like, hey, this is what we thought was going on and this is what I'm noticing. And she brought everything up and we looked through it and she goes, yeah, you were misdiagnosed. So we're going through the process of going off the bipolar medication, switching gears to ADHD and just kind of figuring out that, that new, like how my brain functions and how to work with that. What has it been like for you having this change of diagnosis? How is that resetting your perspective on things? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, it, just answered a lot of questions that I had about myself and why certain things don't work. And it's given me just these little things I can try, especially like learning through you and through other podcasts. It's like, try this new routine. Setting alarms is a huge thing in my life. Um, Setting reminders on my phone to feed the dog at a certain time. You're just like, all these little things in my life are just like falling into place because I have the correct diagnosis and I can look in and say, oh, my brain is doing this right now. And this is what I can do with that. It sounds like maybe not even coming to grips. You're just coming to accept like, oh, it's ADHD. Okay, cool. And you're exploring these new things to learn. One of the things that you've been learning and exploring with regard to ADHD is budgetary stuff. And that's actually how we connected was you were you had commented on a post in the ADHD Essentials Facebook community about money and budgeting and and you were killing it. Like I didn't even feel like I had to say anything because I was like, Alicia's on top of this. And I would love to hear a little bit about that journey, sort of what caused you to feel like you needed to learn about the budgeting and then what have you learned and what strategies are you implementing? So I've always been really good at spending money I don't have or money that I shouldn't. Um, I've actually, you know, had cell phones canceled. I've been evicted. I've been, uh, we were forced to move out of state to live with family, just all sorts of things. And I finally was like, I've, I've got to do something. This is like cool. And sat down and I just wrote out all my bills and I threw them in a spreadsheet. And my spreadsheet is really cool because it does the math for me. It takes, I'm putting this much towards rent. I've got this much towards food. And at the bottom, it shows me the difference. And that's my fun money. And I update this every day. So I know I've got $60 to play with today. And all my bills stay paid. I've still got that money for food. I've got that gas money in there. And I can just, I know what I have. 
So money brings with it all kinds of emotions and, and impulsive stuff when you, when you look at it through the lens of ADHD. How did you go from spending money to the point where you were being evicted and had to move out of state to live with family to being motivated to make this change to be much more strict about your spending? What, what does that look like? When my kids were getting older, uh, school age, and I didn't want them to be moving and changing schools and going through that. I had a very stable home growing up and I never had to move. And I really wanted to limit that for them so that they had that consistency. And is it fair to them to have to move every six months, you know, just because I was irresponsible? So it was primarily the kids that motivated you? Definitely. Because there's also, there's a shift in discipline here, right? There's like irresponsible, undisciplined about money to use at least one of your words. And now you're being responsible. You're being more disciplined about it. That sounds like a hard thing to just kind of flick a switch. And now you're operating in a totally different way. Was there some struggles there? Did, did you trip and fall down at all? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy when you're making that transition to look at the bank and say, I've got $400. I'm going to go spend it. And then realize you're like, I didn't pay my cell phone bill. And then your phone gets shut off to going, I have 400, let me pay all my bills. And this is what I have left because you don't want that to happen anymore. And it felt really good to sit there and go through months where everything was paid on time, even early. I don't pay things on the due date. I pay them when they post because then it's done. It's out of the way. And I don't have that stress over my head anymore. And I know it's taken care of and I can go have fun and not get in trouble anymore. It sounds like you're paying attention to how good it feels to have made this change. Definitely. And that's part of what's helping you maintain the motivation to practice better budgetary habits. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Awesome. And is it as good as going and buying something? <laughs> it's better uh, because I can still go buy something. I just might have to wait if it's a big ticket item or, you know, I don't need those $300 headphones. I've got this $8 pair that does just fine. I'd love to play with how you've built your budget because you're, it's, it's pretty straightforward for you, but I, I'm sure there's folks listening who are like, this is a nut I need to crack. So I want to help them crack it. Definitely. Um, so at the top, I have what my paycheck is and I have uh, five or six months done up every now and then I just go in and add the next month. Um, and then I have my rent because it's the most important. And then I have my gas money because I have to be able to go to work. And then I have my credit cards, my, in I put in the minimum payment due because if I have enough left over, I go through and pay more because you know, who doesn't want to do that? But then I have my subscriptions because we all have our, you know, our music and our videos and all that. And then I have uh, like babysitting, date night, my food budget, just eating out as a family. Uh, I have a spot specifically for tips because those don't post right away. You've got your $16 charge in there, but you've got your $4 tip. So I add that in there so I'm not overdrawing because the tip goes. And then I use the sum feature on most spreadsheets to add and subtract all of that up at the very bottom. And I have that highlighted in green because it's my fun money. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm assuming utilities are roped into your rent somehow? Oh, yeah. Um, that's 
It's not in a very good place. So I didn't think about it. It's down in my subscriptions, but it needs to go up above it. Yeah, because it's one thing to lose Netflix. It's another thing entirely to lose electricity. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like this is pretty straightforward math for the most part. You've got like the how much you're bringing in and then you've got categorized the different things that are causing money to go back out again. Mm -hmm. And then on the, the far left, I have the categories. And by each name, I have the due date. Okay. Because then I can look. Oh, <laughs> then I can look and say, this is due the third. I'm getting paid, you know, the 28th. It may be next month, but it needs to be paid now. Are you paying things when you get paid as opposed to when they're due? Definitely. Okay. And that helps, right? Because now you're not, you're not losing track of things. Exactly. My paycheck comes in, I pay all my bills and then they're out of the way. I just, I have this on payday. I sit down with my coffee and I pay all my bills. Is there a category for savings in there somewhere? Yes. This is not used very often right now because I still like to shop. <laughs> <laughs> that forgetting component is something that's weighing on my mind right now because, uh, Yesterday, I got a speeding ticket for $120. And that is an easy thing to forget to pay, right? Because it's emotional when it happens. And then in my case, I was driving to my sister's house where I couldn't really pay it. And then I had to come home a few hours later and hope that I remembered, right? Which I did. But I felt the threat of that because I've certainly had speeding tickets that I've gotten in the past that I just forgot about and didn't, spe didn't pay. That's what brought me to, are you building in like one, a way to not forget? And you said, as soon as you get paid, your the money's going back out. And, and then that led me quickly to savings because $120 is a surprise expense and you kind of need some savings for that. So that's good to hear that you've got, you've got that built in as well. Definitely. And there's a category I have of other, so things that come up like, um, Car insurance, if you pay six months at a time, that's not an ongoing monthly bill. So you're going to put that under other. And then at the very bottom under my budget, I write what it's for. So I can plan ahead for these expenses like that speeding ticket. I may not have it right now, but I do have it on payday. So I'm going to put it in my next paychecks category. So I remember when I get paid, that means be taken care of. Where did you learn how to do this? Because I'm assuming you didn't know. Otherwise, you would have been doing it previously. So what kind of research and learning did you go through to figure out how to budget this money out? I was taught how to budget in high school and then just never applied it because I was young and careless and it didn't matter. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I was able to sit down and I knew what my expenses were. I just had to put them all in one place. And you said you look at this every day. I do. Why? Because I... I'm still nervous that something's not going to get paid or I'm going to overdraw or um, there's an expense that came up during the day. Uh, my daughter has a concert tonight and wanted a new dress. That's not something I budgeted for, but something I wanted to make sure I have a budget for. So we may have talked about it Wednesday, but we didn't go shopping until Friday. So I wanted to put that in the spreadsheet. So I remember to set that money aside. On the coach side, if I can put my coach hat on for a minute, one of the things I'm seeing in your habit of looking at it every day is that you're creating exactly that. You're turning the budgeting into a habit. You're keeping it top of mind and you're practicing it consistently because one of the things that can trip us up with budgeting or with anything that happens once a month is you just lose track of it and you're 
because you're not practiced in it because you're not consistently looking at it. If I don't look at it for a couple of days, I also get that shock of logging in and going, where did $30 go? Oh, I got coffee, <laughs> you know? And um, then you have the surprise of, well, I have less to work with than I thought I did. That's actually a critical component to all of this, I think. But it's one that's easy to miss because it's not so mathy. It's more behavioral. Yeah, definitely. That's something I sit down, we're watching a movie at the end of the night and I just get on my phone. I've got uh, the spreadsheet I use, I can use on the computer or on my phone. So I can just pop right in, throw that in there and move on about my night. It only takes a couple minutes. Cool. How is this playing out for your kids? Are they seeing the change in mom at all? Uh, so this has been going on for about five years. So they haven't really been able to see a change. But my oldest is at the stage of how much money do you have? How big is your paycheck? You know, she's really getting curious about it. And I sat her down once and I was like, this is my paycheck. This is where my money goes. This is what we have to spend. And uh, she looks at it and she goes, we have $100. Can we go out to dinner? Like, no, that has to last us like three days, kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's a little obvious, and I'm sure my listeners can can make some inferences, but rather than force us to infer, I think I'll just ask it directly. And that is, how has this habit of budgeting so carefully and so consistently changed things for you? I can actually go on vacation because I do have that savings spot. I am sitting there at, the, at payday going, Oh, I still have this much money and I throw it in savings. I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go visit my sister in Hawaii. So I get those pretty grand rewards because I love to travel and I miss my family. So I get to do both. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Has this increased intentionality around finances and your budget affected any other areas of your life? I guess I hadn't really thought about it since it only takes a couple of minutes it is easier to do like housework because clearing the table only takes a couple of minutes and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. So a few minutes a day leads to this bigger reward. Okay. So it's sort of reframed what you can do in a few minutes. It sounds like. Yes. Awesome. You've mentioned that it feels good to do the budget and know that things are squared away and to pay your bills on time and those sorts of things. The other side of that is I imagine moving every six months, being evicted, the sort of the chaos that comes with that didn't feel good. Oh no, it was horrible. I don't like moving for one, have to move on short notice, move in with family because you never have enough space. You butt heads, it's stressful. It's just, it's something I did not enjoy. And I, I don't want that. <laughs> I love my family, but that's too much. <laughs> Is it okay for me to infer that your stress level and your anxiety level has also been reduced by improving your approach to finances? So much so. Um, it's, it's worlds different. I don't even remember. At, at the time, I was so stressed out. I didn't know what it was like to not be stressed out. And now it's so nice and I'm relaxed and calm. And that's a huge change that I've noticed is that I'm calm more often than not. And it's just, it's great for me. It's great for the kids. I can deal with things as they come up rather than getting panicky and stressed and freaking out and 
you know, making a big deal out of something that's really easy to handle. I'm trying to think of the barriers to folks who need to make this change but haven't, right? And one of the barriers that I see is taking that first step of looking at your finances, looking at how much money you're bringing in, how much money is going out. That is, a lot of people have a huge wall of awful for that, right? Because as much as it isn't necessarily appropriate, a lot of us judge our self-worth based on how much money we make. So I can see why looking at your finances would be overwhelming emotionally. What helped you take that step? Was it just that it was so painful to not be looking at it, that it was less painful to look at it? Or did you have someone sit down with you to sort of body double you and help you go ahead and do that? What did that look like? I'm not going to lie. It, it was terrifying. But at the time, I had just been diagnosed So I was missing work for appointments and stuff. So money was getting tight and I needed to know that everything was being taken care of. And it, it became more important to me to make sure that the bills were taken care of than my own personal comfort, because it is really easy to just do what you do than to turn everything upside down. And like, I let the money dictate what I do rather than my wants. So being in a position where like, okay, I need, I need control somewhere. I need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and my family and taking care of my family is making sure they have a roof over their head. So you come to a place where your fear is overridden by this desire to just be in charge. So it sounds like, uh, at least for you, it was things were just so painful and so chaotic and so challenging that it was actually easier to look at your finances. And it was potentially a source of relief if you could lock that down. Definitely. After a couple of months of having everything paid and just knowing that it's taken care of just felt so great. It was like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders and I could see clearly again. So I'm reading a book called Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. And he's coined a term for that emotion that you've been describing throughout this interview of it just feels good to do the thing, right? Um, And he calls it shine, which I think is a great name for that emotion that we don't have a name for. And I'm sharing it because I'm hoping that shine can stick as a name for an emotion. And a component of that book is he talks about how critical shine is to helping us maintain the habits that we're trying to establish that you can, you can sit down and do your budget once because there's enough pain and there's enough chaos and concern that you can sit down and overcome the wall of awful and do that thing one time. But to continue doing it every day like you've been doing, it can't stay painful. It's got to become good. It's got to start to shine. And it sounds like that's happened for you. I love updating my budget and seeing the numbers change and clearing off because when I pay a bill, I just delete it. I don't delete the title, but I delete the total that I was supposed to pay. <laughs> just eventually all the numbers go away. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. Those that speaking of tiny habits, that's a tiny habit of just deleting the numbers of of the bills that you owe and watching them vanish is going to create a lot of shine. That's great. Definitely. I, I like the word shine. I'm going to have to use that. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I fly out to California tomorrow. 
and I don't think that I've mentioned this in the podcast, and I've already done this by the time it posts, but I'm heading to volunteer at a maximum security prison in California for a day to help uh, inmates who are about to be released either start figure out how to start a business, like kind of give them some coaching on that or uh, their resumes or potentially uh, their parole. That's my job on Wednesday. So all day Tuesday, I'm just flying to California from Massachusetts and I'll be reading the rest of that book and then turning it into a workshop for March 2nd. So next week. So yeah, but that, that shine word is, is phenomenal. And I love, I love all the stuff you're describing because it's, it's coming straight from this book that I've, that I've been reading a lot of, a ton of what you're talking about. How has your family responded to this change in you? I was living with my parents and I recently moved into my own apartment and he was nervous um, that I would fall back on old habits. Who was nervous? Who was he? My dad was. He was afraid that I would end up losing the apartment and having to move back in. Because again, love my family, but that's too much. Being able to call my dad the day before payday and say, hey, let's go have lunch. It's on me. You know, it feels really good. And you can see on his face, he's like, yeah, that's, that's my girl. That's great. Congratulations. That's phenomenal. And just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? I know it's scary. And just digging into your bills and your finances can be really overwhelming. But the reward you get out of getting organized is just, it's, it's indescribable. It's freeing. It's a weight off your shoulders. And it's a way to just achieve those goals you didn't realize you had. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.